Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Adrian Barnard in the UK. And on this week's show we talk about investing in youth football. Because of financial constraints, youth football is often overlooked in Africa, but we hear from Cameroon where an international youth tournament for Central Africa was held recently. That competition is very important for the young footballers because when they are growing up, they are going to have a maturity. We have so many people who come to the stadium to watch again. It's very, very important for the young. Also your thoughts on Barcelona's shock Champions League exit and how much of a consolation is the English Premier League title for Manchester City as they too are out of the Champions League. And we highlight the great contribution that Ivory Coast winger Wilfred Zaha has made at Crystal Palace this season. That's all coming up later, but uh, first up, uh, will there be an African winner of the prestigious English Premier League PFA Players Player of the Year award? Algeria's Riyad Mahrez won it in 2016 as Leicester won the league. He's the only African ever to win it thus far. For this season, Liverpool's Egyptian forward Mohamed Salah is a leading contender with his stunning performances for the Reds. Manchester City have three players on the six-man shortlist. That's midfielders David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and winger Leroy Sané. Also there are Tottenham striker Harry Kane and Manchester United goalkeeper David De Gea. Well, De Bruyne says he thinks that Salah is probably going to win it and admitted that he voted for Salah himself. Uh, This award is decided, by the way, by the votes of the players. Salah also made it into the PFA Team of the Year for the Premier League. And by the way, he set a new record for an African in the English Premier League as he scored his 30th goal of the season last weekend, breaking the record of the great Didier Drogba. Well, here in Africa, we might be a bit biased towards Salah, so let's get the views of Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard in the UK. Adrian, is Salah the favourite to win this? Well, Steve, we'd like to think so, certainly, wouldn't we? But uh, I think his greatest rival in this vote is going to be Manchester City's Kevin De Bruyne. Now, first, let's look at Salah. He's scored 40 goals in 45 appearances so far this season. In the Premier League, he's got 30 goals in 32 matches, a remarkable record. And in the whole era of the Premier League... Only Harry Kane has got a better strike rate in a single season, and that was last year when Kane got 29 goals in 30 games for Tottenham. But when we look at the player who is voted for by the other players as Player of the Year, it so often goes to someone who has been in the title-winning side. Last year, it was N'Golo Kante at Chelsea. The previous year, of course, it was Algeria's Riyad Mahrez with Leicester City. So when we look around, it's very close between Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne. But when you look at the influence that De Bruyne has had this season and how he's guided and been so influential for Manchester City in helping them to win that title, it's very close. But there are many people saying it will probably go to Kevin De Bruyne. Right, so it will be a challenge for Salah as he's not in the championship winning team. And Adrian, just take us through the credentials of the other players on the shortlist. 
Well, we've mentioned Kevin De Bruyne already, so let's uh, start with him. This year, of course, he's been outstanding for Manchester City. He's made more assists and created more chances than any other player in the Premier League this season. That's 15 assists, and in terms of chances, over 100, 102 chances. A truly outstanding player. It's interesting, of course, to have a goalkeeper on the shortlist of six. That's David De Gea of Manchester United. It says something about United season two that uh, their goalkeeper is on the shortlist. So that's something perhaps for United fans to, to mull over. But De Gea himself, he's kept 16 clean sheets in 33 Premier League games. And uh, he's also got the highest save percentage, incredibly stopping 80% of the shots he's faced. Now, we also mentioned Harry Kane and the goals he scored last season. Well, this season he scored 26 league goals already, most recently against Brighton on Tuesday. Now, that means that Harry Kane has broken the 20-goal barrier in a season for the fourth successive time. Only three other players have managed that feat in the Premier League. And he is such a consistent goal scorer. Many people are looking at a transfer fee on his head of over $150 million now. A true asset for Tottenham and a really superb striker. And uh, taking a look at the other two nominations, both from title-winning side Manchester City, uh, Leroy Sané and David Silva. Well, Leroy Sané, only 22 years old, a German international already, likely to feature very heavily for Germany in the World Cup. A really influential winger, very tricky, very difficult to tackle. He's played 54 times for Manchester City since joining in 2016. He scored 14 goals during that time. And another player who's been influential in Manchester City's title-winning success this year. David Silva, well, he has also been very key to Manchester City as an attacking midfielder, 32 years old now, had a very difficult time in December, missed quite a few games for personal reasons after his new son, Matteo, had been born extremely prematurely and was fighting for his life. But since returning, he's been an absolute dynamo on the field. And again, one of those players who Manchester City couldn't have coped without this season as they've won the title. Thanks, Adrian. And the winner of the PFA Players Player of the Year Award will be announced on Sunday night. We're now to our main topic on the show this week. That's youth football. Investing in youth is so important to the development of football. But because of financial constraints, youth football is often overlooked in Africa or not enough attention is given to it. Well, an international youth tournament for Central Africa was recently held in Cameroon and Planet Sport Football Africa's Ngie Eno Ebai sent us this report. The curtains have drawn close on the fifth Unifac Cup, a tournament solely reserved for the under-17 men's teams of the Central African Football Federation's Union, Unifac. The 2018 edition was played from the 5th to the 12th of April, with six countries competing. Host Cameroon were pitted against Chad and Sao Tome and Principe in Pool A, while defending champions Congo clashed with the Central African Republic and the Democratic Republic of Congo in Pool B. Equatorial Guinea and Gabon were barred from competing for administrative reasons. With youth championships absent in some of the countries in the Central African sub-region, the president of the caretaker committee of Cameroon's Football Federation, Fekafoot, and president of the organizing committee of the 2018 Unifac Cup, Diodone Happy, detailed that the competition will enable teenagers to exhibit their talent one of these days we are going to have zone competition and it's very important to have 
good players. It is also very important because we have good structure. So that the main reason we made the competition here. Unifac President and CAF Executive Committee member Patrice Edouard Ngaisona hoped that the tournament will spur the countries within Unifac that do not have youth leagues to start one. Mr Ngaisona was optimistic that unlike in yesteryears when the Unifac Cup wasn't regular, he hinted that top officials within the body had pledged to see the tournament hosted yearly with the women's event to hold in May in Bangui in the Central African Republic. On the turf, host Cameroon qualified easily from the group stages thanks to a one-all tie with Chad and a 2-1 win over Sao Tome and Principe. In Pool B, DR Congo sealed their spot for the semis, beating defending champions Congo three goals to two before overpowering the Central African Republic 2-0. In the semis, the DR Congo beat Chad 2-0, while Cameroon scrapped a narrow 1-0 victory over Congo. The final, which was a remake of that of the Maiden Unifac Cup, saw Cameroon beat the DR Congo 1-0. Cameroonian attacker Mokta Umate won the Best Player Award, while his compatriot Ama Awonojuel, with his two goals in four games, racked the award for the competition top scorer. I'm feeling very well because we have won the tournament and I've taken the trophy as the best goal scorer. I was even surprised when they called me because it's my first selection in the 17 and first selection with a trophy like this is very wonderful. I'm working very hard. We are going to work harder to even win the under 17 Afcon play is going to take place in Tanzania. While Cameroon won the bragging rights within the sub-region, for the DR Congo, the prime objective was for their young players to gain experience. Ranked the world's 38th best team and third African nation as per the FIFA April 2018 classification, DR Congo travelled to Cameroon hoping to gauge how well the team had matured. Gentu Kambala is the team's secretary. That competition is very important for the young footballers because when they are growing up, they are going to have a maturity. We have so many people who come to the stadium to watch a game. It's very, very important for the young. In Congo, we have a league for the young players. We've got so many players in our country, but they are growing up with that experience. Today, they are training to under-17, but tomorrow, they can put them to under-20, under-23. That is a good experience for us. The DR Congo backroom staff had former national team and Orlando Pirates player Gentu Kambala and African goalkeeping legend Robert Kidiaba as goalkeeping coach. For DR Congo's lead trainer, Guy Bukasa, this is very important in building the base for future national teams as well as nurturing young talented players. That was a good tournament. We had some good match. That's important for us to have this kind of tournament to help our youth to be in good form and to, to help us to improve football. It's important for this kind of players to have in front of them pupils who can push them to go forward. You know, our goalkeepers when he's in front of Kidiaba, when he was very young, you see Kidiaba playing for the national team and also for Tepe Mazembe. And the players, when they're in front of this kind of guy, that's very good for them. They are motivated. That's important. That's why the Federation takes this stuff and we are working together and we are trying to do our best to help those young players to grow. Despite losing the final of the 2018 Unifac Cup, 
Coach Guy Bukasa of DR Congo was confident his team's development was on the right path. I'm very optimistic because three years ago we started with the first under-17 team and today whole players are playing for the under-20 and we have three of them already selected in the first team and we think that we know now how to select players, which kind of profile we can choose and with this team we think that we took some players, those can help our football in three or four years. However, with MRI scans not used, what was meant to be a tournament solely for under-17 players was marked by suspicions that overaged footballers were fielded in by some nations. I saw so many good players, but I prefer before the game like this, the players must go to the doctor to check them because I saw so many old players here. It's very, very bad, but I can't judge them. I don't know where they are born, but you can see that guy is not under 70. That one is under 70. It depends. You can look at them to the face. You must put the young players on the field. The next major football rendezvous in UNIFAC will be in August in the Democratic Republic of Congo when the countries in the sub-region tussle for a ticket for the 2019 Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations in Tanzania. That report from Planet Sport Football Africa's in Eno Ebay in Yaoundé in Cameroon. Well, Solomon, it's exciting to hear about a youth tournament like this, isn't it? Steve, it is definitely uh, very exciting. There's quite a lot of young people who look up to uh, football to really build their character and also to stay out of crime and to stay out of vices that are not right. We have quite a bit of problems with with our football sometimes because we don't really spend time and spend resources to develop and to also invest in youth football. And for a lot of countries, you know, a lot of football clubs across the continent don't have a department of youth football, unlike other some countries like South Africa or Egypt particularly. So it's really important to have a tournament like that in Central Africa. I wish every region would have that sort of tournament. And I, and I wish also that, you know, national FAs will take responsibility and investors will really invest in it. Uh, just so later on, we're not going to complain or that the national team is not going to face uh, a lack of uh, quality players and also the tournament helped for young players to interact with other players from other nations and compete with with different teams and i hope this would really continue and make sure that it, it goes on for a very long time Yes, very, very important uh, is youth football when it comes to the development of the game. Uh, But a cause for concern there, those allegations of age cheating. You know, you have an under-17 tournament and then you have players who are 19, 22 who want to use that opportunity so they falsify their their, their birth certificate just so they will be eligible to go in. Or you have teams who are facing a lot of pressure to go uh, and perform and get results and they pick players who are over age which for me denies other younger players so we we really have to look at it from a point of integrity integrity from the position of the football association integrity uh, from the position of the coaches uh, in, integrity from the p- position of the player himself and age cheating is definitely has become almost like a part of uh, the football culture in Africa which is very very sad and, and we really need to get to a place where we really sanitize our football our age group uh, competitions just so we get the right players and and develop them well thanks solomon and we really need to end the practice of age cheating as it won't benefit anyone in the long run 
Well, this week on social media, we're asking uh, how strong is youth football in your country? Good to hear that there were six nations competing there in Cameroon at the Unifac Cup. Uh, investing in youth football is very important, but it is often overlooked. So tell us how serious is your country about youth football? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now we turn to social media, and last week we reported on Barcelona's shock quarter-final exit from the Champions League as Roma of Italy overturned a 4-1 first-leg deficit by winning the second leg 3-0 to take the tie on away goals. Well, some are saying that Barcelona's empire is crumbling, uh, but they are clear leaders in La Liga and unbeaten all season. So last week we asked, what do you make of their Champions League exit? And we've had another huge response this week, so we'll try to get through as many comments as possible. But uh, sorry if we're not able to read yours out. On WhatsApp, Desmond Tunde Coca in Sierra Leone says, I think Roma deserved to go through because they worked for it. Barcelona didn't play well and I'd want to blame the head coach because he should have seen it coming and made changes but he didn't make substitutions until late and they ended up losing the tie. Gamo in the United States says, As a Barcelona fan, I'm still in disbelief that Barca are out of the Champions League, especially after that great result in the first leg. But it's a good learning experience, says Gamo. We'll come back stronger next season with the likes of Coutinho and Dembele playing much improved roles. But in Malawi, Efrathar Kamanga is not impressed at all. It's so pathetic, says Efrathar. Being a chief supporter, I'm disappointed. It's our bad and worst week ever. Well, we always welcome your voice notes on the show. And uh, from the Gambia, here's Mahari Cham, who looks at Barcelona's recent record in the Champions League. Three previously years they have been exiting on the same stage of the competition. But what's sucking the most is for a team like Roma, with all due respect for a team like Roma to knock out one of the favourites coming to this season's Champions League is, is the most shocking part. And I think even though they might end up with two trophies, the league and the Copa de Rarer, I think this will have a great impact on the suspect. This will really overshadow their success. Thanks there to Mahari Cham. Abraham Kohler is also in the Gambia and he says, I think the Barcelona coach made a bad decision not to start with Usman Dembele. I'm a Chelsea fan, but now I go for Liverpool to win the Champions League. And those sentiments are echoed by Pa Abdu, also in the Gambia. For me, this is an excellent result because I never support them. I'm a Liverpool fan, says Pa. Blessings Nirenda in Malawi picks out three reasons why Barcelona lost. One, football is a game where anything can happen, says Blessings. Two, Barca's record in Italy is not good, as they always fail to apply their tiki-taka football when playing Italian teams. 
And three, the manager Ernesto Valverde failed to introduce a more attacking force when it was needed, says Blessings. Lamine Sané and the Gambia thinks Barcelona's problems are down to the age of the squad. Honestly, I think Barcelona should overhaul their squad after this season, as I think age is creeping in, says Lamine. Piquet, Iniesta and others should go. To Ghana now, and Stanley says it was a sad moment for the Spanish side, losing to AS Roma. Their exit was a surprise to me, but it isn't over for them. They weren't at their best on that day, and the best team won, but I wish them better luck next time, says Stanley. John is also in Ghana. I think the players thought it was a done deal for them, says John. That's why they didn't play their hearts out. And I think the ghost of David Astori also played for AS Roma. That's the former Roma defender, David Astori, who very sadly died of a cardiac arrest last month at the age of just 31. Another voice note from the Gambia, his Musa Balde, who sounds like he's still in a state of shock. I've never, never thought of such heavy score line against Roma after winning the first leg 4-1. So it is it's just so embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But all in all, is football. Yeah, you, you have to expect the unexpected at any time. Just that Roma deserve to win. So bravo to Roma. They did well. Thanks to Musa Balde. Also in the Gambia, Pat Tumani Baji says, I'm never in for the idea that Barcelona are crumbling. They lost because they were trying to focus both on winning the La Liga and the Champions League, says Pa, and their focus was too wide and they couldn't make it on both fronts. But that doesn't mean that they are crumbling. Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone thinks the Spanish giants need some more players. I think the exit came as a result of the team fading away, says Jesse. They need to build up the team again. Mohamed I. Kinte in the Gambia says, I'm a die-hard Barcelona fan. For me, it's simply that this is football. Sometimes your game plan doesn't work, and at times you have what you call a dark day. But yes, they are still the best, says Mohamed, and life goes on. M. Cham Urzil, also in the Gambia, says Barcelona is a one-man team. Without Messi, they are nothing. They need to strengthen their defence if they want to win the Champions League. I'm now hoping to see Real Madrid with Liverpool in the final, says M. Cham. And finally, Alagi S. Fai in the Gambia is disappointed but not too worried in the long term. It was a shocking moment for all Barcelona fans, says Alagi. The turnaround by Roma was really astonishing and Ernesto Valverde was not at his best as he is in La Liga. But I believe the Barca empire is still strong. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Barcelona plays Sevilla in the Copa del Rey final on Saturday night and they are now 40 games unbeaten in La Liga. Apologies again if we didn't get time to read out your comment. Uh, This week we're asking, how strong is youth football in your country? Earlier on we had that report from Cameroon where six nations took part in an under-17 tournament for Central Africa. And no doubt investing in youth football is so important, uh, but it's often overlooked. So how serious is your country about youth football? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. 
Well, now let's go back to Adrian Barnard in the UK. And on Saturday, Manchester City will celebrate having won the English Premier League title in front of their fans, having become champions last Sunday without kicking a ball that day with Manchester United's defeat to West Brom. Now, Adrian, with a Man City's Champions League quarter-final exit, uh, is winning this title a bit hollow to them, maybe? Well, of course, Steve, Manchester City can't turn back the clock, can they? And yes, they are out of the Champions League. But there's no doubt that winning the Premier League title is very much the next best thing that could have happened. And when you remember a couple of weeks ago, there was all that hope and expectation, wasn't there, of them winning the title by defeating their closest rivals, Manchester United. Well, United turned up and spoilt that party, winning 3-2. So then when you look at the irony and the wonderful nature of football, how it was that Manchester City won the title in a game that involved Manchester United, they didn't beat Manchester United, but their greatest rivals, Manchester United, lost to West Brom, losing to the bottom team in the table. So if you're going to win the title, you can't beat your closest rivals. But if they lose, and they lose to the bottom side, that'll be great. So it'll be party time at the Etihad Stadium against Swansea City. Swansea, of course, fighting for their survival in the battle against relegation. But I think Manchester City will enjoy that, play unfettered football and put on a great performance for the fans. Yes, a day for Manchester City to celebrate on Saturday. And with the four Champions League places pretty much settled, a focus now is on the relegation battle. What do you make of the fight at the bottom of the table, Adrian? Uh, Well, Steve, uh, despite West Brom's surprise win at Old Trafford last weekend, they remain rooted to the foot of the table. They're nine points adrift of Swansea, who themselves are only just above the relegation places. So West Brom are almost certainly down. Then just above them, Stoke City. Now, they nearly won at West Ham on Monday, but they were denied by a late equaliser. And that result means that Stoke are five points adrift of Swansea with just four games left. And uh, with two of their remaining fixtures against a high-flying Burnley and uh, Liverpool and Mo Salah, of course, uh, their Premier League survival looks increasingly unlikely. Southampton occupy the final relegation spot at the moment. Uh, Last weekend, of course, they lost 3-2 to Chelsea after leading 2-0, and that's bound to have an effect on their confidence. They face a very tough battle to survive, and they've still got to play Manchester City, the new champions, at St Mary's. So I think those are the three teams most in trouble. Just above the relegation places, Swansea, Crystal Palace, Huddersfield and West Ham. They may have already got enough points to survive. But uh, Steve, as we know, this is the Premier League, so we can expect plenty more twists, turns and surprises before the season's out. Yes, no doubt about that. Uh, Now, one African player who's done well this season without getting that much attention is Ivory Coast winger Wilfred Zaha. A big contribution he's made at Crystal Palace. Well, Steve, we've talked about the contribution of players like Mo Salah at Liverpool and Kevin De Bruyne at Manchester City, contenders for the PFA Player of the Year award. But Zaha has been absolutely incredible at Crystal Palace. Now, true, Palace are just outside the relegation places. But look at the impact he's had on the team this season. Now, he was injured for much of the first part of the season. Over the season so far, Palace have played nine games without Zaha in the side. They've lost all of them, and in that time they've only scored three goals. But with him in the team, they've won seven matches, they've drawn ten and lost seven out of 24 league games and scored 30 goals. It's absolutely unbelievable.
Without Zaha in the side, their percentage win rate is zero. With him in the side, it's 29%. Without Zaha in the side, Palace score 0.3 goals a game. With him in the side, they score 1.4 goals per game. Without Zaha in the side, they score zero points per game. Don't even get a draw, let alone a win. But with him in the side, they get 1.3 points per game. Truly remarkable what an influence he's had for Crystal Palace this season and he may be the prime factor that keeps him in the Premier League this season. Well, amazing statistics there. And finally, Adrian, Wolverhampton Wanderers, the first team to win promotion to the English Premier League this season from the Championship and they've done it with quite a few Africans in their squad. Well, yes, Steve, indeed they have. There were five Africans, in fact, in Wolves' squad, starting with goalkeeper Carl Ikemi from Nigeria. Now, very sadly, he hasn't played this season because he's recovering from acute leukaemia, a form of cancer. Uh, He's played 10 times for Nigeria and he's got over 190 appearances for Wolves. And then you've got Bright Nobakari, who's also a Nigerian. Now, he's yet to feature for the Super Eagles. He's only 20, a striker, but he has made 18 appearances for Wolves this season and scored a couple of goals. Talking of strikers, then there's the DRC striker, Benik Afobi. Now, Afobi joined on loan from Bournemouth at the beginning of February, just a short while ago. But since then, he's scored five goals already in just 14 appearances. And uh, Alfred Ndai is from Senegal. He's a midfielder. He's also on loan, but from Villarreal. He's 28 and he's got 12 caps for the Taranga Lions. And he's been influential for Wolves this season. He's played 30 times and scored three goals. And finally, there's defender Phil Ofuso-Aye. Now, he has a German mother and a Ghanaian father. He's 26 and he's got one cap for the Black Stars, but he hasn't yet featured for Wolves this season. So quite a few Africans in the Wolves squad. Well, certainly it's good to have Wolverhampton Wanderers back in the English Premier League. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.